All right, we're going to go to the uh, fourth chapter of the book of James, and we're going to be talking about our lives, the life that we're leaving, uh, leading right now. And here's the deal. Um, every time that you come in here on a Sunday morning, it is always my prayer that you come in here not trying to check off, okay, we went to church, but rather to understand that, hey, God wants to meet you. He really does. And so if you come in with a question, you come in with a desire, you come in with a prayer, you come in with a heart that just says, God, I need you to do something. Please, can you show me? Can you help me? Can you unveil to me? Can you, whatever it might be, there should be a, a bigger reason than church, so to speak, that you come into here, that you come in here for God to move in your life. And I want to talk about your life for just a minute. Um, uh, James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James, we believe, and, and in this scripture, he makes a statement that I just kind of wrestled with for the last couple of weeks, maybe even a month, um, and then I began to, to understand it just a little bit differently, and I want to challenge us something uh, in something today. Now, first of all, I just want to say, um, think about, uh, this is 2023, back up uh, five years, so in 2018, where were you? Where were you in 2018? All right? Now, let's back up another five years. Where were you in 2013? Where were you in relationship to Jesus? Where were you in relationship steadily to a church? Where were you in relationship to a job? And as you think about these 10 years, this span that I'm kind of talking to you about, are you now living the life that you were praying for back then? And now it's become so normal that you're saying, God, you got to do something different. You know what I mean? Don't we do that? We're like, God, could you just please give me a car? And then you get a car and you're like, two years later, God, I'm sorry. I'm tired of this car. Can you just give me another car? It's like, but you prayed for that car. Don't you like that car? God, you can actually go out in the driveway and just, God answered my prayer in that car. Yeah, we're going to have to get a new tire on that back right. But yeah, that's the, you know what I mean? You can do that. But are you thankful, are you living thankful for the life that God gave you that brought you to here, to here, right now? Because I want to talk to you about that life. In the book of, John, excuse me, the book of James, chapter 4, beginning of verse 13, I'm going to use this thing called a Bible. You can use your app on your phone. That's totally cool. Once again, I'll just say it out loud. I believe Jesus would use a phone and an app. I, I really do, okay? Because he can carry the whole library not just one book, okay? So it'll always show up up there, but I really want to encourage you to get into the habit, especially when you're not here, of getting into one of these things, okay? It's, it's really important to you. Give it a shot. But let's just look at this passage, and then it, it, and we'll see what the Lord wants to say to you about it today. Now listen, you who say tomorrow or today or tomorrow, we will go to this city and spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. So he's talking to people that are making plans, they're movers, they're shakers, they're captains of their industry, if you will. He says, why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're just a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag, and all such boasting is evil. And remember, we're talking about the book of James. The word evil does not mean Halloween. It doesn't mean slasher films. It doesn't mean, e what it means is not in harmony with God. Okay? It means pagan. It means different than God. Okay? It doesn't mean vile, nasty, horrible. It can include that, obviously. 
But just understand, another way of saying that is say, all of you who boast and brag, all such boasting isn't Christian. That's another way of saying that very statement. And then he goes on to say, anyone then who, does, who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, he sins. Okay, now I don't want to get into the sins of omission and the sins of commission, um, but there are two different kinds of sin in your Bible that are listed. One is when you do something you know you should not do. That's a sin, okay? Don't sleep around. Don't do drugs. Do not get drunk, okay? Don't do, it's a sin, okay? On the other hand, you see somebody that is starving to death and you say, God bless you, go in peace. Not feeding them becomes a sin, according to James. That's the sin of omission. Now, lighten up on yourself, because I can feel in my spirit, some of you are saying, well, I can't do it. I know, no, I know, I know, I know. You gotta be in such a relationship with God that when he tells you to do this, you step up and you do it. See, that's what we're called to, a relationship, not a religion. We're not called to organize everything and systemize everything. We're called to relate to people. And Jesus says, as you go through life, and I believe he's speaking through his brother here, as you go through life, there's things you shouldn't be doing that you're doing, stop that. There's things you aren't doing you should be doing, start that. Okay? But let's talk about today. All right? You know the average person, I was looking at this saying, well, then what are we supposed to do? Because, you know, we do, we just go through life so casually, don't we? Okay. Anybody here going to dinner after, after the service? Going out to dinner? Going to get something to eat? Yeah? Grab a little snack? Going to watch football? I know at my house we're going to watch football. Yeah. Okay, more of you are going to watch football than going to eat. That's going to be good for you. Okay? Yeah, that's great. Okay. I'm going to eat first. Okay. None of us has said, well, if the, Lord's, if the Lord tarries, we're going to go over to uh, Texas Roadhouse, and then if the Lord continues to tarry, we're going to go watch New England beat the socks off of whoever's next. Okay? No, we hope and pray, God. Um, all right. But you, you understand what I'm saying? We're not saying that. We're just so casual about the life that we've been given that we, we you know, we're, we're 20, 30, 40 years old, I wish, but um, and some of you, and you're just like, man, we're going to live forever. We're just going to keep on going. There's no, no, um, no accounting given to the fact that you're not going to live on this planet forever. It's not going to happen. Okay? Death is so much not a part of our life that those of you that are millennials in here, you think turkey comes from Kroger. Okay? It doesn't. It comes from the farm. It ran around on the ground. Yes, I'm going to eat it. No, I'm not trying to offend you. But I'm going to say... We don't take into account how short our lives really are. You know, there's a point in your life when you're like, you know, you're born and you're 20 and you can conquer the world. And I just remember hitting 40 years old and going, dude, I'm halfway there. I've got one foot on the grave and others on a banana peel and, you know, it's about to happen. I've only got 40 years left and then I'm done. And I began to say, what do I want to accomplish? Not look at what I have accomplished. See? And there's the thing, and here's the funny part of that is, you wasted the first 20 years of your life being a child and going to college. What a waste. So you've really only lived 20 years if you're 40, and you've only got another 40 to go. What are you going to do with it? Where were you 10 years ago? What do you think is going to happen in the next 10 years of your life? Here's the deal. Average person on this planet lives to be 79 years old. 79 years old, all right? That means you've got 28,835 days to spend, and you blew half of them. I mean, a, a quarter of them, just getting to 20. 
to where you could get a job and you know, kind of start your life. You get 692,040 hours to spend from the time you are born, statistically, to the time you die. That means you get 41,522,400 minutes. And we go through life just thinking that we're going to live forever, that nothing's going to happen to us, that we're okay. We don't say, if the Lord tarries, we'll do this. We don't say, we're going to plant a church in Richmond. We have to say, if it's the Lord's will, we'll plant a church in Richmond. If it's the Lord's will in 2025, I want to go back to um, um, Zimbabwe with a missions team again. Okay? So we, we got to say it that way, but we don't. We go through life just thinking, no, we've got it. We can spend it. We got it. We can keep on going. And that's what I want to challenge us on it. Uh, this is our life in years, days, hours, and minutes. It's just like that. No thought for the, the fact that, you know what? God bless you, and I pray that you could go home, and there's no problem, but you could be in an accident on the way home. You think the sun's going to come up tomorrow, and the odds are that it will. Okay? The odds are... But it could stop and the trumpet could blow and we could go home. It could be over today. You say, no, not until the red heifer and the ashes and the temper. God will do what God wants to do when God wants to do it. Okay? We are not in charge of figuring it out. So we've got to trust that he has the timing. But we assume that it's, we, I mean, we live like it's going to be 40 years. When in reality, it could happen quickly. Okay? What happens? What are you doing with the moments of your life? If something were to happen and you got a bad diagnosis or you got fired from your job or suddenly you had a health problem that drained your financial resources and you had nothing and you're like, God, I thought I still had another 30 or 40 years to go. And we don't always know what will happen because our lives can turn like this. August 22nd, 2019 was a big day for the Hoods, the Woods, and the Bellenders. That's pretty much all of our family. We were celebrating our 10-year anniversary as a church. We were. We were so excited. The national director of the Vineyard Churches was here in our building. Kevin Canterbury, one that we raised up through college at EKU and went off into ministry. We got him to come back. He was working with our youth and working with all kinds of things here. And he came back and he was a speaker and our regional director was a speaker. We just had a weekend plan and food trucks and all the things. And then on August 22nd, right ahead of that really kind of launching. I left my house as I normally do. I was parked at the Kirksville School. We live right behind the Kirksville School, right on Lancaster. And so I was parked there, and all of a sudden, seven emergency vehicles went by. Lights screaming, horns, all the things flashing and everything, and it was just awful. And, and I've just gotten to a habit. Anytime I see them, first of all, move over. Okay, I will put my car in four-wheel drive and get up in the median on the bypass to get out, get out of their way. Somebody is desperately in need of them. And so I've just gotten to the habit when I see one or two, I saw seven that morning, and they went racing past, and I just really quick was praying. This is just my normal prayer. God, wherever they're going, I ask and pray that you would be with them, keep them safe themselves, please, and also help whoever it is they're going to rescue, help, or bring back to life, or whatever it is. I, I just pray. And my wife will tell you, she's like, he's over there just praying in the car. We've got to wait till the emergency vehicles go by. So he's, you know, he's using his breath to pray. I believe in prayer. 
And then I went to the coffee shop and I was there for a little bit and then suddenly I got a phone call. All, the, all those emergency vehicles were headed to my son's accident. 29 years of age, he's got a job in Garrett County, he's going to teach. He's on his way there first thing in the morning. Young lady's on her way to EKU from Garrett County. They're both doing about 50, 55 miles an hour. She crosses the center line, and she is, the, the officer said she is fully in his lane and hits him head on. She never touched the brake, and he never had a time to get to his because he was coming around a curve this way, and she came around this way and hit, hit him head on. Broke his leg clear across like that. He's got a big steel rod from his knee down. Broke his arm, broke his clavicle, broke his hand. Um, and when, I called, when, the, when the nurse called me from the UK, she said, are you his father? And I said, yes. He said, she said, he's been in an accident. I said, thank you. I said, is he okay? She said, I can't say. HIPAA. She can't say it over the phone. I said, is he gonna live? She said, just get here as fast as you can. So for 45 minutes, my son was dead in my heart, and I was scared to death. And I made a huge mistake. I called my daughters instead of my wife because I didn't want to terrify her if I was going to get there, and it was just going to be a little fender bender, you know, that he broke his leg and he's okay. And I won't ever do that again. I'll call her first. Um, we, we worked it out. Um, it was okay. But we got to the hospital and James was laying on a gurney. And this is, this is James. This is the picture. Um, this is what I arrived to see. And he's smiling. He's on drugs. <laughs> okay. He doesn't know what's wrong with him at this point. He was in an accident. It broke him. I mean, the car was so mangled, the officer that was in charge of it all, the state trooper, he said, when we roll up on this, somebody's dead. He said, somebody has to be dead in this accident. And all I can think is, that's the accident I was praying for. That one. My life changed that fast without me even knowing it. And so uh, we visited and we had a good time and we did all that. And uh, we bounced back and forth. All the family came in. There was so, the medical staff was magnificent. And they put him back together. And it was a long recovery. He moved back in with us. And we took care of him. Because that's what you do for your kids. And so that's what we did. And it was great. And then, you know, the weekend of our big 10-year anniversary, I'm at church being here on Sunday before I can run back up there. And by the time I get back up there, they've hauled my wife off, who was sitting with my son to babysit him, and said, listen, you've got a tumor that big in your uterus and you just it's got to be handled right now well when it has to be handled right now it scares you to death if we can come back and get to it in a couple of weeks that's a whole different kind of tumor and so it just never seemed like it was going to stop and I'm convinced that it was a spiritual attack attached to our 10-year anniversary. I believe in spiritual warfare. Let me tell you that. I believe in demons. I believe in the devil. I believe that hell and heaven are having a fight. I believe that it's going to get worse before it gets better. But I don't think as Christian people that's something we have to worry about. Last Sunday, I wasn't here. If you were here, I missed you. Um, but I was over in Wilmore where... Uh, I just like to get away when I'm not preaching and responsible and have somebody preach a little hellfire and brimstone at me. It's good for my soul. And so I went over to Wilmore and, and I was planning on sitting in on their worship. And as I, as I walked into the room a little bit early, you can go back to that picture if you will. Um, James was there because he married that little girl right there. 
and she's just the cutest little thing, and, and what a great part of our family she is. And this is, this is uh, 19, this is four years after the accident, almost, you know, just about a month and a half from being the day. And, and there she is, and I walk in, and he's fully engaged in the production booth, and he's doing things because he learned from, from our guy, Michael, here, and, and he's there plugged in, and, and he married the, one of the worship leaders over there, so I'm not in good stead with the you know, pastor. I hate him um, because he got him, and I didn't. And uh, so we'll work it out, okay? I'm not going to let the bitterness take me to hell. Um, but... You know, you walk into a church and you see your children, especially the one you thought you lost, and fully engaged in kingdom work, and that's not his full-time job. He works in Lexington somewhere, but he is giving his heart, using his gifts to see the kingdom of God move forward, and it just blesses your heart, and, um, and that's where I was. And so I'm looking at those days and saying, wow, all of this is where we see that our life can turn on a dime, just like that. And yet we don't even say, well, if the Lord tarries, we're like, no, I'm going to do this. I figured I'm going to see James get married. He's going to have kids. It's going to be great. We're going to have lots of grandkids. And in, in that much time, I could have been down to four kids instead of five, just like that. You don't know what tomorrow holds. You know, James, not James Wood, but James who wrote the book of James, <laughs> um, what he says to you and I throughout the whole book of James is, you are not in control of anything. Nothing. You think you are. And trying to be in control will destroy marriages. It will destroy finances. It will destroy your relationship to your employers. It will destroy your relationship to employees because at the end of the day, you are not in control of your health. You can't determine how you're going to live, how long you're going to live. You can make your life a little bit better, but that quick, you, it could turn on a dime and suddenly even your health is gone. And yet we still believe that we're in charge and we could do this. You know that in 2020, Americans had a 1 in 63% chance of being in a car accident. In 2021, you had a 1 in 93% chance of dying in one. Just like that. And yet we still drive cars. Motorcyclists had a 1 in 747% chance of dying in an accident. The odds, the odds are still 1 in 6 that heart disease is going to kill you. Heart disease is going to kill one out of six people in this room. We're not in control. We can adjust it through diet and stuff, but at the end of the day, we are not in control. The odds are one in 53,843 that a dog will kill you. I have four of them. <laughs> We're going to be locking them up at night. Just in case. No, I'm kidding. They're good dogs. We don't know what tomorrow will be. And Jesus tells us, take no thought for tomorrow because in the King James it says, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. Remember, evil is just what's not in harmony with God. So, so a good way of saying it for you and I, you know, since 1611 is there's enough troubles of the day. Let it go. Today has enough troubles. Don't, don't think, oh, how am I going to plan for the troubles tomorrow and Monday and Thursday and Friday? No, 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 no. You don't know if you're going to live past today. Make the absolute most of it right now. 
with the people who love you. Jesus went on to say in Matthew 5, again, you've heard it said, it was said to people long ago, don't break your oath, but fulfill the Lord, the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear, do not absolutely, I'm not talking about cussing and swearing now, I'm saying making this oathful promise. Do not swear an oath at all, neither by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you can't even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes, or no, anything else beyond that comes from the person not in harmony with God, Lucifer, the devil. Excuse me, too many crying. The point being, don't make an oath because you aren't in control of anything. Don't make an oath. You, we've got to grab a hold of this, you aren't in charge. You should write that down. In your marriage, in your job, you might have control over some things, but you're not in charge. Anything could happen. And I don't know about you, but that's a hard pill to swallow for me. I'm, I'm, I get it. I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes. So not being in charge makes me feel unsafe. And so I have to swallow that pill, but the odds of me dying from that choking on food is only 1 in 2,695. So I'm willing to risk it. Okay? I'll swallow that pill. Basically, this letter is written to people who are too, too confident of their lives and what they were and weren't going to do. And you might say that arrogant was a better word. But it's preceded by James talking about our humility and our need for humility and the fact that sometimes things happen into our lives to bring some humility. And let us realize, wait a minute, God sits on the throne, not Joe Wood. And I need to yield to that. Sometimes we forget that the life we have now is the one that God gave us, and it's a lot of times the one we prayed for. And this is what God, or Solomon says about this life we live now. I know that there's nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each one of them may eat, drink, and find satisfaction in their toil, in their work. This is the gift of God. Finding satisfaction in the job that you have right now is actually a sign of the gift of God in your life. You being able to focus on the positive and not the, the negative is a gift from God. That you can say, thank you, God, for this life that I prayed for, not really sure I knew what I was asking for, but help me make the most of it. See? God, I love this job, but that guy's got to go. I think he's a Christian. Bring him home. No, okay, don't pray anybody goes home before their time. Okay, don't do that. That, that would be evil, not in harmony with God, okay? So don't do that. But Solomon says it's the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever and nothing can be added to it and nothing taken away from it. God does it so people will fear him. People will be in awe of him. Not scared to death of him, in awe and, and respect and recognize that. But here, you've been, you and I have been given the right as children of the Most High God thousands of years after Solomon wrote this that, that we get to come boldly into the throne of grace to find help in our time of need because God says we're his children now through Jesus Christ and the blood of the lamb you and I have been made children so we can come boldly and say God can I have this can we do that we get to do that but are we living like I said an attitude of gratitude that says thank you for the life that I have are we like God how come you let this happen to me and God saying, well I answered your prayer and that's what got you here or you're not listening to me and that's what got you here because sometimes that's the truth it really is we do things our way we're just Adam and Eve syndrome we're going to do it our way because God's way, you know, is just keeping us from having fun. And then we find out that we're in a bad way. And then we blame God. <laughs> it's like, hold on a second. He said, don't do it. All right. But there we are. 
And again, Solomon says in chapter 5, this is what I've observed to be good. That it is appropriate for a person to eat, to drink, and to find satisfaction in their work, in their toilsome labor under the sun during the few days of life that God has given them, for this is their lot. Moreover, when God makes someone um, wealthy and gives somebody wealth and position, so, so just understand that, that can be a gift from God as well. All rich people are not going to hell. All wealthy people are not going to hell. Some people are wealthy because God has given them wealth because they can manage it well. They can. It says God has given them wealth and positions and the ability to enjoy them, to accept their lot and be happy in their toil. This is the gift from God. They seldom reflect on the days of their life because God keeps them occupied. God keeps them occupied with gladness, with gratitude of heart. They're so busy thanking God for what he's done in their life that they're not worried if the trumpet's going to blow tomorrow. They're not sweating that at all. They're so busy chasing God and working for God and having fun with God. You know that the community thinks that we're the fun church. If you go look at the reviews on Vineyard Community Church, somebody said, oh yeah, that's, that's the fun church. Like, we're just a fun church. I'm just going to tell you right now, I am in a right relationship with God Almighty that created me, and I don't think anybody should have more fun on this planet than people in a right relationship with God Almighty. It's like being in a relationship with your parents on Christmas morning. They give you breath of life, and you're like, thank you, God, for breathing. They give you a new car, and you're like, thank you, God, for a new car. You might say, well, I really wanted a purple one, but don't fight him. You got a car. Do you, do you have that parent, too? I got you a bike. I don't care if it didn't have 10 speed. Be thankful for the bike. It's like, yes, sir. But we don't live that way always as human beings. We're like, yeah, but I wanted a white one. It's like, hey, back it up there. You didn't have one 10 minutes ago. Can we live, like Solomon says, thanking God if he makes us wealthy or thanking God if we're, if we're in need? Because Paul said, when I was in need, I thanked God and celebrated and praised the Lord. And when I had plenty, I thanked God and I celebrated and I praised the Lord. And that's where we need to be as we think about the days, the minutes, the hours that God gives to our lives. Guess what? Work is hard. It's hard for everybody. I went to a national conference. I think I said this not long ago. Went to a national conference and the, the national director got up there and he said, listen, you guys are in here and it's tough. Man, you've been through some difficult situations in your church. People have left your church. People have chewed you up and spit you out. It's hard, isn't it? He said, suck it up. It's what you signed up for. They're people. It's what they do. He said, it's kind of like a doctor who works in the emergency room complaining that there's blood. It's what you signed up for. Jesus didn't say it would always be roses. He said sometimes we've got to work at it. Sometimes it's going to be difficult. But persevering is always going to be the answer with him. And so Solomon says that God has given us the ability. So thank him for it. God has given us the desire. Thank him for it. God has blessed our efforts. Thank him for it. God hasn't called everybody into full-time ministry, but God has called everybody into ministry. That place that you work, that school that you go to, those friends that you have around you. And I'm not saying you got to get up on a soapbox and condemn them all to hell, tell them hellfire and brimstone. What I'm saying is, who have you even shared your testimony with? Let me, let me, let me make it a whole lot easier on you and challenge you a little bit this week, okay? Just a little tiny bit. The people that you're around every day, when was the last time these words came out of your mouth? 
Can I pray for you right now? When was the last time you said that to somebody? Just because, you know what? They needed prayer. They needed prayer. Listen, I'm a, you guys really missed it by not being in the first service. Because I was sitting over there and we had prayer time and these two little nine-year-old girls, eight-year-old girls, however little, how old is um, Annie? Nine? Ten? Ten? Ten-year-old girls came forward. And I thought, oh, I wonder what ten-year-old girls need prayed for. They didn't come forward to get prayed for. He came forward to pray. These adults were standing up here and they were in the back and these two little 10-year-old girls got up and they came up here and I looked at their mama and I said, are they up here to pray? And they're, they came up here to pray for people. And I was over here crying, looking at these little girls praying for people because they were moved by the Lord. And then they came over where I was sitting and I thought, okay, they want me to pray for them. And I said, are you here to, for me to pray for you? And they said, no, we're here to pray for you. Oh my word, then I was worthless. It was a good thing I was done for the morning service because I was bawling my eyes. We have raised up our children intentionally to be full of the Spirit and to do the things, not know the things. When was the last time that you walked up to somebody? And listen, I'm the pastor of the church and I get it. I am a scary dude. Some of you are like, <laughs> okay. thank you. Thank you for being those people to me. And some of you are like, oh, I don't know if I can talk to them or not. Yes, you can. But can you imagine a 10-year-old walking up to the pastor and saying, can I pray for you? Wow. When was the last time you prayed for somebody you do know that you work with? When was the last time you brought the kingdom of God by just simply casually saying, yeah, we were learning at church Sunday morning that this is this, this, this. <laughs> Excuse me. When was the last time? See? We're called to do this thing, to go. Think about these three things real quick. We'll get out of here. You want God to do big things in your life? I want God to do big things in my life. The big thing that I'm praying for God to do is actually show up on this stage, even if it kills me and he takes me home. I want the Holy Spirit to come in here and rip the roof off this place. I want to see people healed. I want to see words of knowledge. I want to see the, the gospel go out from this place and this place fill up, not because I want a big church, but because I want to see less people in hell. And you know what? I'm not looking for good, clean people. I'm looking for people that know that they need to make a change and then they know they don't have to get cleaned up to make the change. They just got to make the change. Come to Jesus and let him do the work and the rest of us stop judging it. Let's let God do it. You want God to do big things in your life. But let me ask you this. Can he trust you with the little things that he's asking you for? You want big things... But can he trust you with the little things that you have? You know, it's always funny to me when we get five, ten years down the road with somebody who's a member of this church, and they're like, you know, I play the guitar, right? And we're like, no, we don't know you play the guitar. You kept that gift to yourself. Somebody come in here and say, you know I love working with little children, right? Say, no, you didn't tell us that, but we kept telling you from the stage that it'd be beneficial to have more people working with little children on the other side or over there. They hide their gifts instead of getting plugged in. We want people plugged in. We want people using their gifts. We want people teaching little girls, little boys how to pray for adults and not be scared, but to choose to believe. So we want God to do big things in our lives. But can God trust us with the little things that he's already asking us for, of us? Second thing is you want God to fix what you broke. 
You want God to fix the parts of your life that you broke. You broke a relationship. You broke a marriage. You broke a sexual identity. You broke your virginity. You broke your finances. You broke your, uh, your job. You got fired because you broke it. You did it. You want to blame everybody else. But let's just be honest. Somewhere in there, we all have a part to play in what's going on. And we want God to fix it. I want to let you in on a secret. Look at me. God wants to fix it. He's not ashamed of you. He's not mad at you. He's not angry at you. He's not disgusted at you. He's not repulsed at you. He is standing on the proverbial book of Luke prodigal son's porch with his arms wide open saying, just come home. I'll take care of it. Jesus died and Jesus' death expressed enough blood for all the sins since Jesus died and into eternity till Jesus calls us home. You have not sinned beyond God's desire, desire to forgive you, to put his arms around you and call you his own and say, my daughter, my son has come home. Kill the fatted calf. But we don't always listen to his plan, do we? You want God to do big things, but can he trust you with the little things? We want God to fix what we broke, but we don't want to do it his way. I want to encourage you. Let's start doing it God's way. What does God say to do? Now, uh, you don't have to plan to get up here and preach, but you've got to take this Bible thing and open that baby up and read it. You don't got to find one verse that says, there you go. This is how we'll throw rocks at sinners. God isn't throwing any rocks at sinners. I don't care what their sin and how filthy and nasty it is. The scripture says in John 3, 16, for God so loves the world. He's not mad at the world. And I'm not talking about the plants and the trees. I'm talking about the people. He is not mad at the world. He loves the world, the broken, filthy, nasty, awful world so much that he sent his son down here to die for your sins. And it goes further than that. He did not send his son down here to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That's John 3, 17. So if God sent his son down here not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him, I don't think he's given you a rock either. And he certainly hasn't given me a rock. Who gets to hear that message from us? I want God to fix what's broke, but I don't always know what he says about it. And don't wait for Pastor Joe to tell you. Open up that Bible and have a personal relationship with him. Last thing I want to share with you. You want God to give you great riches, great opportunities, and great things. Let's just be honest. Come on. I have yet to pray with somebody that says, Pastor Joe, would you help me? Because God's given me so much money and I'm sick and tired of it and I just want to be poor. I'm just so tired of being wealthy. Okay. Now, if you need to come say that to me, I have some ideas for you, okay? And they come with a 501c3 receipt, so just let me know. I'm just, I'm just saying. But we don't, do we? If we're being honest and we're not scared of everybody thinking that we're greedy, awful people, we want God to give us great riches, great opportunities, and great things. We want it all. But we have a struggle giving him some back. We do. I'm, I'm, I'm just putting it out there for you. I know Pastor Janice talked about some things last week. But I'm not talking about just your money. I'm talking about your talents, your gifts, and more than that, 
I'm talking about your time. I don't have time for God. I don't have time for it. Yeah, you can. Just turn off Netflix. I'll, I'll, I'll secure you six or seven hours, those of you that like to binge, binge watch. And listen, I'm not against binge watching. I like to binge watch. Okay? But it's also hard for me to say, Lord. And he goes, yeah, but you've spent six hours watching that show and you can't spend 15 minutes with me. It's like, yeah, you got me there. Yeah, got me there. See? We've got to begin to prioritize. Because I want, to give God, I want God to give me great riches, great opportunities, and great things, but I don't always give God what he asks for. And sometimes you'll be at the drive-thru and God will say, pay for the dinner behind you. And sometimes you'll meet somebody at work that just went through a catastrophe and God's going to say, give them your car. I know people that God has said that to. We're like, ah, don't you think if he gave it to you once, he can give it to you twice? Don't you think if he sees you doing amazing things with it, he'll give you more? That's biblical. That's straight up Jesus. If he can trust you with a little, he'll trust you with a lot. And I'm not saying play him like a slot machine. I'm saying trust him. Trust him. Take him at his word, but you've got to know what that word is. If you knew that you were going to die on March 27th of 2024, and that's just an arbitrary date that I picked out of the wind, how would you change your life between now and then? If you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that that was your last day, chariot's going to come down, you get on a chariot, you go home, it's going to be amazing, you got your ticket. If you knew that was your day, how would you begin? Would picking up somebody's underwear, your spouse's clothes, cleaning the... Would that be that big of a deal that you would like to fight over it so much? Would it be worth it? See, I don't think it would be. But sometimes, sometimes when somebody gives you a date, had a conversation with somebody this past week and the topic came up and we wrestled it back and forth. When you can put a dot on the calendar, all you do is live in fear of that dot. 80 years, then I'm out. Oh no, oh no. And I live the next 40 years going, oh no, oh no. Or do you look at all the days in between and say, how do I live these days to make memories, especially for our loved ones? How do I celebrate the woman I love and the children that we birthed? In the moments that we lived and the places that the Lord's taken us. Because I promise you, it has, I have, I, I love my life and it's fun. But it's not always easy. And sometimes it's ugly. And it's my fault. But God has forgiveness for us. Take this home. Take this home today. You want a word from God? Take this home today. Forgive the people that hurt you can't do anything about it. It's behind you. I'm not saying pretend it didn't happen. I don't believe in that. People hurt you. It's real. But don't live there. It's not worth it. It's wasted minutes. Forgive the people that hurt you. Have fun with the people that love you. Go do exciting things. Things that you're scared of. I saw a thing once that said every um, day you should do something that terrifies you. Okay? Can't get past spiders, so I'm on hold right now. Almost killed some kid's little ring last night. 
They said, see, and it was all, I mean, it was almost coming off. It wasn't real. It was good. Have fun with the people that you love. Work with people that inspire you. Work closer to them. There's going to be people that rub you the wrong way. Work with the ones that inspire you. Do that. And then invite and love the people that God has placed you in to know what you know about Jesus. Experientially, you don't have to be a theologian. What's God done in your life in the last 10 years? That's how we started. What's God done? Don't be afraid to share that. We're going to go into a time of ministry here and a little different than I shared in the first uh, service because um, I was sitting down over there and, and, and just um, praying and worshiping while we were worshiping, really aware of the person of the Holy Spirit speaking into my heart a little bit and I almost stopped the service and, you know, Tony, Pastor Tony and I, we have understanding. Um, I'm in control. <laughs> not. Uh, but we work to get well together. Okay. But I almost got up. Here's the deal. Uh, the Holy Spirit just said, and I, I don't want you to respond, that somebody needs to be freed from, and I don't know what the timeline is. It might've been something in your youth. You took something that didn't belong to you and it's haunting you. If it's not haunting you, it's not you. Okay. You got away with it. Don't worry. No, um, no. If it's haunting you, God wants you to be free from that. You took something that wasn't yours, and I don't know how big or small it was, but God wants you to be freed from that today, okay? Now, let me just set that aside. I'd love to pray for you about that. Beyond that, I want to say, if you're wasting the minutes because of fear or bitterness of what has happened to you, and you're struggling to move forward because your life is in front of you, it's not behind you, can we pray for you? Could you just come up here and can we, I'm not going to ask you to talk on a microphone. Can we just pray for you? You're struggling to let something go and it's holding you like an anchor from moving forward emotionally, spiritually. And you're saying, yeah, I could use prayer for that, but you're terrifying me about getting up and coming up there. Hey, I'm going to be right here with you. So could you do me a favor and just stand up and come up here? We just want to pray for you. That's all we want to do. I'm not going to terrify you. You want me to make it easier on you? Could everybody stand up? Because we're going to go into this last song. And while we're standing up, if I'm talking to you, could you come up here? Can we pray with you? There's something that you just feel is holding you back. There you go. Just come right on up here. Because we're going to get some people in behind you guys in just a second. Anybody else feel like they need to be a part of this this prayer this morning okay I need the prayer team to come up here now those of you serving in this uh, this service on the prayer team there you go there you go all of you every one of you there you go we're good and if you're standing there and you're suddenly feeling like you know what I probably do need to be up there just come on up here but I need those of you that need to be prayed for to stand in the front part just ease around to the front part there you go come right on up here Come right up here. I want to make sure these people come in behind you to pray for you. There you go. Thank you, Angelique. There you go. And here's the other thing that, that I really believe the Holy Spirit is saying today. This is a time, a, a season in the world for us to stop being churchgoers and enter into a relationship, not a religion, 
a relationship with Jesus. Stop going to church, somebody once said, and start embracing being the church and saying, you know what? I've gone to church all my life. It's time I surrender my life to Jesus and let him have his way in my life. If that's you, uh, I'm going to make it more difficult for somebody, but come right here so that I know that that's what we're praying for. You want to surrender your life to Jesus um, because you want to be in a close personal relationship with him and his forgiveness. If that's you, then I want you to come up here and people will pray for you. I promise you they will. Okay? So that's what this spot right here is for, people who need Jesus. Because at the end of the day, that's what we're here for. We all need grace. We all need forgiveness. Not a one of us is more holy than anybody else. And we've come to be touched by God and to lay down our sin, lay down our struggle, lay down our bitterness, and let him have it. And I believe that he wants to capture yours and take it out of here for you. And so I'm going to invite you to pray for them. Um, I'm going to pray for them like I've been doing, and then you guys keep on praying for them, okay? And then when we're done singing, we're done. So let's pray. Father, as we come before you right now, I believe that you want to do amazing, incredible things. I believe that you want to stick your whole hand right into the heart of everybody that is in here and take the rock and take the bitterness, take the struggle, take the hurt. And I believe that you want to leave the healing balm of Gideon in their hearts to let the blood of Jesus Christ overflow their own personal um, hearts to the point that they are pumping you through their veins. Lord, you have given us forgiveness. And we, as your children, come before you. We've made bad choices and we have hurt people. But more than that, God, we come and we've been hurt by people. And we want to lay that down and pity those people because they don't know forgiveness. They know hurt. And so we just ask and speak specific healing on physical bodies in the name of Jesus. God, in the name of Jesus and the authority that we have in heaven, we release forgiveness of sins. We release mercy upon people. We release kind language and talk. We release opportunities to speak the truth of Jesus into people's lives. And we release upon them the fortitude that it takes to take that first step of walking away. And God, we just let your uh, person be glory we come here to do that to lift up your name but we let your favor rest upon these people as they continue to be prayed for in Jesus name